welcome to This is Modern Rock, a podcast about alternative rock music in the 80s and 90s. I'm Will Westerkow, and I'm joined here in the studio today by Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you, Will. I appreciate that. Um, so, Jesse, you, uh, you've been in a lot of bands, is that correct? I think I recently counted and it was nine. Nine bands? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that double digits if anybody needs a drummer. That's pretty cool. So these bands, these nine bands that you played in, would yeah. you say that for the most part they were alternative rock bands? I would definitely say that, yeah. I think okay. I qualify on all accounts. Okay, so you're, you're a fan of alternative music then? <laughs> no, you just you 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 only like bluegrass, but you somehow keep ending up in the alternative I, rock bands. I uh, I guess I take issue with the word fan. Okay, so what would you say? I'm a participant in the alternative rock genre. Okay, yeah. but you don't particularly yeah. like to listen to it. Oh, I love listening to oh. alternative rock. Yeah, and okay. dancing to it. Yeah, okay. sure, sure, okay. sure, sure. Okay, talking about it, All right. playing it. Um, so I don't know. Just how about this? Right now, if you had to name your three favorite modern rock or alternative rock artists, um, what would you say? Well, that's weird because that term modern rock and that term alternative rock, Mm -hmm. those to me both define a specific era when people were looking for a word to define the music that didn't fit into the words they already had. To me, they, they define a particular era. So if you say modern rock... I think, well, that's definitely pre-90s. Okay. And if you say alternative, that's disgusting because that word was co-opted by the media. So if you have a favorite alternative rock band, you're an idiot. Okay. Well, I have two. (laughs) (laughs) So they cancel out. Yes. (laughs) December 1988 is, is a really interesting time on the modern rock charts because... Uh, the number one song for the entire month, which is five weeks of charts, is R.E.M.'s Orange Crush. Um, oh, I hated that song. Oh, no. I hated it so oh, much. Oh, I love that song so oh, much. I really it just, do. It made my ears bleed. Really? And it was on all the time. Well, you know, I love the song, but obviously I can understand. There's, there are songs that I've heard so many times that they make me sick. I got my sign. Okay. I got my orange. <laughs> okay. Crush. That song's great. Uh, we're not going to hear it today because we heard it last episode. Yeah. Um, but it stays at number one all through December. The number two song for the entire month of December. We're also not going to listen to that one because it's eventually going to hit number one. We have to start our quest here all the way down at number three. Our top song. I'll tell song. you three reasons why Michael Stipe is a cruddy singer. Come on. <laughs> you, sir, are wrong. <laughs> Don't don't come on my show and tell me how much you hate REM because <laughs> REM is great. Let's hear it. I want to hear the three reasons. One, I just bought this new keyboard and there's there's this button you press and it's like it just plays an REM song. That sounds amazing. Two, the man is a lazy vocalizer. He he's using one part of his mouth. It's really boring. There's one clear piercing note that bites into you. It's like a toothbrush with one bristle. It does not clean my mind. Which part of his mouth are we talking about? <laughs> I have a hard time staying interested in a song that doesn't change key. 
What are you talking about? It's just about? at least got to have an accidental somewhere. It just oh it isn't God. interesting to me. It's like it's like just you know when you go over to the piano and you just sort of roll your hand around on all the white keys back and forth a bunch and snap your fingers and go this is <laughs> that's REM. And you that's are like... describing something but it is not REM. <laughs> Uh, let's get back on track. So <laughs> we're not listening to the number one song. We're not listening to the number two song. Uh, we're going all the way down to the number three song. This is a song I've never heard of at all. I don't know anything about this. I'm kind of hoping that you've heard of this band, Jesse. Um, they're called Camouflage. Is that ringing a bell at all? Ooh, that sounds bad. I mean, 88 was rough. That was like the end of it. That that uh, that Manchester label that was putting out like factory records, factory new order. You know, it started early to mid '80s, and by '88, everyone had learned to copy it, and they had turned really awesome post-punk new wave into this gross dance monster that ultimately became like '90s pop music. And Camouflage was one of those bands. They were clearly copying Depeche Mode. Yeah, I mean, I was going to make that comment, but Just after, after we exa- listened to everything it, everything about yeah. it, everything about sure. it. Yeah, there was another one called like Red Star. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so many bands just came out. They were just a cookie cutter copyright nonsense. Okay, so you, I mean, so you know this band. You probably copyright. <laughs> you probably know their song because you know they they had, as far as I know, just one song that charted. It's called. Don't make me listen to this. We're gonna. Oh, we're gonna listen to it. Do you do you even like music? This song is called The Great Commandment. The Great Commandment. That's it. Yeah. You knew it. Ugh. Wow. Ugh. So this got some play, I guess. So much. Yeah. And, and, you know, being someone that was into this culture and this kind of music, I would go hang out with people that I thought were also into this culture and this kind of music, and they wanted to listen to this junk. Are you aware that, that Camouflage is a German new wave band? There were a lot of great German new wave bands. And uh, I'm very sorry that Camouflage was also one of them. <laughs> they don't der- deserve they were, the title. They're also a German New Wave fan. Okay, so so this is from their de- debut album called Voices and Images, which came out in 1988. We're going to go ahead and listen to it. This is The Great Commandment from Camouflage. Some people suppress you. They part you. And reap a disaster. For the infants who demand it for an innocent instant A great commandment shows the content between the world and their embarrassing So what do you think? I don't know. I mean, that song was so boring, I would rather talk about Paul McCartney. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad. I, I I don't know. There's a certain catchiness. There's a yeah. certain Depeche Mode lightness to it. I don't want to like put it on it's just heavy rotation. Derivative. It's just utterly yeah, derivative. but that doesn't yeah. make it that doesn't make it awful, does it? That's a funny thing. I don't know. I always ask myself that about music. You know. Let me ask you this: Is there any situation where you would say, you know, I'd like to hear the Great Commandment right now? Nope. No. <laughs> Absolutely okay. not. Okay. What if you were going to make a mix tape, mix CD or something for yeah. a friend? of Depeche Mode style Rip-offs. songs. Yeah. 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 Would you would would this make the cut? Um that's that's sort of like 
on my to-do list, mm-hmm. but it's like on that part that that's like below where the, I think the, I'll get to. The stuff you never quite get around yeah, to. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I'll get around to that one. Yeah, you know what I like about this song? One thing I like is because they're German, he's got an accent. He's got like, it doesn't specifically sound German to me. No. But it sounds like he's doing like a, an English accent. That's creepy. But he can't quite help because he's German, so there's some no, or there's some some sounds he pronounces a little strangely. I never thought about that. I just you know? took it as English because I'm American, so I'm ignorant. Yeah, so I was like, well, oh, that's an English accent. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah, that that's funny. Yeah, the great yeah, commandment, sure. right? Yeah. It doesn't quite yeah, ring yeah, right. English. It's, he, he, why why was that? I, I mean, suddenly everybody wanted to listen to English like, yeah. new wave instead of German new wave. Yeah, well, if he'd put out that song two years earlier, he could have done it in German. You, you know, that's actually Nina ninety nine. Of Wolf course, you get the now, double version. You get song. the you get the English version. You get the German version. Oh. Both of them. Are, oh, you have a preference? I don't like versions. What, which one would you it's go with? Weird. Do you like the German one better? He should do, he should have done it in German. But what about ninety nine Luft Balloons? Oh, German. German. Yeah. German. What about um, Der Kommissar? German. Really? Yeah. Okay. Alles klar, Der Kommissar. Yeah, I mean, way better. Yeah. Way better. Yeah. Apparently, we don't have much to say about this song. Uh, you know, one of, that's okay. One of the songs that came... I'd love to talk about Depeche Mode. I mean, that's a fascinating You band. know what? I'll invite you in. I'll invite you back in when we talk about Depeche Mode. Because uh, I know um, uh, in 1990... No, I'm sorry. In 1989, uh, Personal Jesus is going to be coming <laughs> up the charts. See, that's when they stopped making good music. Their last good album was, what, 80, 87 then? Music for the Masses? We're not going back in time, Jesse. Uh, we'll do some Violator. No. Let's go ahead and move on to our second song. This is a band that we have already featured on our show. So the second band that's been featured twice, humongous band, U2. <laughs> Come on. Do you are you one of those guys that just hates things because they're popular? This is a band of clowns. This is a man who is so poor at playing guitar that he just got all these pedals to like do delays. Talking about like, the edge? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. The Edge is a great guitarist. Cannot. He's amazing. Cannot he have like one name that resembles a human name? Why is he the Edge? He's such a terrible musician that he can't even have a human name. He's like, I got to push it this far. He's got a human name. The Edge. Poop on him. Have you listened to Where the Streets Have No Name? Oof. The song is great. Didn't Bruce Springsteen write that song? No. He did. He didn't. He did. He so, taught Edge how to play the guitar. Uh, the with Edge. His butt. The Edge is... <laughs> <laughs> the Edge, or just Edge. Uh, his real name is David Howell Evans. So he does have a real name. He's a real person. Mm-hmm. Although I, I can understand why, listening to his incredible guitar playing, you might think that he is, in fact, a an alien or robot. I think that uh, I know only three things about that band. One, they were way more famous than they deserve to be. Uh, two, their their first album was pretty good. And, uh, all right, that Bono guy. Now, come on. I have no problems with Bono, except that he refuses to play shows in Portland. He pretends to be something he is not for monetary gain. Are you kidding me? That is a false band. No, that is that is a false idea that, for some reason, many music fans have. It is absolutely not true. What is the thing he's pretending to be? Part of the IRA. <laughs> okay, that could, I don't know. Is that true? I have no idea. 
they pretend to be a political band. They pretend to stand up for the rights of disenfranchised black blues musicians. They pretend to be interested in, in world justice and, and they're not really that they're doing it for the money. And that's disgusting. That's like a failure of humanity. That's well, a, I would argue that first of all, Bono has been nominated for a Nobel peace prize. Who else was recently nominated for a Nobel peace prize? I don't know. Bob Dylan. Okay. He turned it down. Well, of course. Well, <laughs> who are we talking about now? <laughs> well, are you gonna Did make Bono argument? turn it down? <laughs> well, he he was nominated. He didn't win. <laughs> Look, Bono. That so, guy's a clown. He's not a clown. He's, he's not even a, a musician. No, listen. First of all, he's written. What songs did he write? Well, I don't know which ones he specifically wrote because I don't know who writes the songs. I would assume the band writes the songs. And well, Bono who's does the lyrics. band? Uh, that would be Bono, The Edge, <laughs> Larry Mullen Jr., Adam Clayton. That guy, the bass oh player. I bet he writes the songs. He does not. That guy's a good bass player. Look. That guy's really new wave. I can understand people who say the sound of U2 is not for me, but I cannot understand when people say... I don't think that they write good songs. They have so many songs that are just so great, so classic. All right, how about this, though? Starbucks is on the corner, and their house brew is pretty good, but I'm not going to do a podcast about it. Okay, but how about this? Millions and millions and millions of people around the world were deeply touched by that brew at Starbucks. (laughs) So they might do a podcast about it. Look, I've never seen you two play, but people I know who have seen you two play say they walked away from those concerts, uh, having been to just an amazing experience. Everyone was thrilled. Everyone left with a huge smile on but their face. But people take acid and feel that way, and you don't have any respect for them. <laughs> Let's talk about this song. <laughs> Is this the fly? I don't want to hear the fly. No, we're not listening to the fly. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, so in 1988, um, U2 released Rattle and Hum. (laughs) Like a big bloated double disc of them Uh, ripping off old blues musicians and then hiring them to come be up on stage with them to give them some legitimacy. No, let me tell you what happened. Wasn't that produced by by Steven Spielberg or something too? No, what happened was U2 was touring America for Joshua Tree, and while they were touring America, they discovered all kinds of American roots music. They were really inspired by it. They wanted to do an album and a tour and a tour documentary that was an homage to that music that they fell in love with. Really? Let's have a heart and let's play some Chuck Berry instead of some U2. No. We're going to play some U2. Uh, We're going to play the song Angel of Harlem. It went to number three on the modern rock charts. Angel of Harlem. The Irish band. Isn't it good enough that they're an Irish band? Do they also have to fight for the rights of the Angel of Harlem? <laughs> oh, Bono. Let me get He's through this. He's got such a big heart. Let me get through this. <laughs> Angel of Harlem went to number one on the mainstream rock charts. It went to number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. So this is a crossover success, much like their previous song that we heard, Desire. <laughs> this song is about Billie Holiday. All right. Do you know much about Billie Holiday? I I never really could listen to the blues. I always found it kind of boring. So, do you even like music? That's my question. I love Patsy Cline. Okay, Patsy Cline, Depeche Mode. Yeah, King Missile. King Missile. Those are all good. Yes. King Those. Crimson. Uh, no. Okay. 
let's go ahead and listen to U2's Angel of Harlem. sounded to me like a horn section three guitars a bass guitar and two keyboards you've got millions of dollars and eight musicians and you turn that junk out come on see you're putting me in a tough position because you're forcing me to strongly defend you two i like you two this is not my favorite song i think it's fine i think it's a totally fine song uh i think it's one of the weaker tracks on their you know best of but I think it's fine. I think it's serviceable. And if if we compare it to other songs that are coming out in 1988, uh, sounds pretty good to me, honestly. Their their early sound to me was good. It was four strong voices, but at the same time there were bands like The Replacements, way better band, right? Way more interesting. Putting I mean, I, I love The Replacements. I think the they're Smiths. great. I don't, the Smiths were putting out great the albums. The Smiths are amazing. I don't think way I need better to compare than that, them. John. I don't I don't think I need to say U2 is not a great band because the Smiths existed. There's nothing, nothing about that. There was, you, if you could isolate any one track in that whole set there, it, there's nothing interesting about it. You take any subset of those tracks and play them for me. They're not interesting. The whole thing is not interesting. Nothing? Not one bit of it. What about this, though? You, so you said that you thought they sounded pretty good on their album War. War. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want them to put out album after album that sounds exactly the same i mean don't they as they gotta find they gotta find more alternative people to copy see that's the problem with copycats like you too is they start out copying an alternative band because they're close to the music scene and then they get popular and they can only copy stadium bands you're upset because instead of copying the replacements or the smiths they were copying uh bruce springsteen okay yeah okay yeah and and he he already done that song 10 years ago which song? The one you just played? No, it was Bruce. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce did that in was Bruce's? No, he didn't. There was a, ultimately there was a, an album in another slightly similar parallel universe that Bruce Springsteen put out in 1978 with that song on it. Okay, no, he did. All right, so not a YouTube. Fan. Only he didn't go. It's Angel. He went Angel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> can you say something nice about you two? I think I think they deserve. <laughs> I did. T- I tell like me war. one thing. You like War? Okay. That bass right, player. Sure. Okay. He's really solid. Okay. What's that? Is there any more? Do I get to hate something else? Is that you, it? You know, we have two more songs. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're gonna like one of them at least, okay? But you might hate one of them too. I was looking through the charts. Not a lot that I found super interesting, honestly. Really? Well, there was stuff. There was stuff that we had already heard. There's stuff that's gonna climb higher, so I don't want to cover that stuff because we're gonna hear it later. Um, but there's a lot of junk that I didn't just didn't think was interesting. But there was one song that is actually very well known, maybe the most well-known song that we've played so far on this show. And it's the only song at this point that's been on the charts since they started, 16 weeks straight. I hope this is Oh Yeah by Yellow. It's not. (sighs) This is a song that had some crossover appeal as well. So it hit number seven on the Hot 100, which is a pretty sizable hit. It was a number nine hit on the mainstream rock charts. 
Um, and this song is called What I Am by Edie Brickell and the New, Bo- the oh, New Bohemians. Oh, my goodness. Well, I really love this song. This is an amazing song. I like I like her other material better. This one was a bit poppy, but uh, and got it, it got overplayed. It you, sure got overplayed. I honestly cannot tell at this point if you're being genuine or not. She is an amazing musician. Yeah, it's too bad she didn't continue on. Are I you don't know. for real? I totally thought you were gonna hate this one. What? I thought you were gonna bag on this one like crazy. No way. This is a great song. This is a true musician. This is an artist. There was nothing else on the radio like this right now. What I am was a single off of Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. New Bohemians yeah. uh, debut album called Shooting Rubber Bands at the Stars. An amazing album. An amazing album. I love that whole thing. I listen really? to it a lot. What yeah. about the album art? Because I've never listened to the album, but I saw she the album She drew it. Art. It's awful. It is great. No. It is great. It well, is so good. Can you imagine? You're saying you love the album art? I loved everything about that album and that musician and what was happening. And it, it prefaced what was going to happen in the 90s, where it was this like rejection of this like overproduced keyboardy stuff. And it went back to singer songwriter, like just a really genuine person and her songs and her guitar and her art on her album and her way. It's a great song. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, it, it's, got a, it's got a long shelf life. And people have covered the song. Uh, it's covered by one of the Spice Girls, right? Oof. It's <laughs> it's shown up Oof. in TV soundtracks from Doogie Howser to Miami Vice. It's, I'm sure. I'm sure she was well connected with the music industry. I think it was. I mean, she was uh, famously Paul Simon's girlfriend and wife. kind of wife. Well, right. when, when she became his wife, she stopped making music, which is doesn't really say good things about Paul Simon now, does it? Oh, I mean. Two albums, two brilliant albums. She married two Paul brilliant Simon. albums. Yeah, she had a follow up. Love Edie Brickell. She's great. Wow. And then she just quit making music because I guess Paul Simon's a controlling asshole. I don't know That's why. A, come on, that's not fair. Okay, I'm a senior, huge rock star musician, and I marry a young, brilliant person, and she stops making music. It's my fault. Jesse, I hate to uh, spoil oh. the party here, but she did not stop making music. She released an album in 90, 94, 2000, 2002, 2003, 2006, 2008, 2011, <laughs> 2012, 2013, 14, and 15 with Steve Martin. Uh, let's talk about the first one, though. Sure. The 1988 album. Before her heart was eaten by Paul Simon. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I'm sure you've heard this before, but you know, let's listen again. Maybe with fresh ears. Here we go. Edie Brickell and the and the New Bohemians, What I Am. I'm not aware of too many things. I know what I know if you know what I That was way more interesting musically than that U2 song you played for me. And definitely way more complex than the Camouflage song. Sure. And a much more heartfelt song and one that isn't corrupted by some disgusting rock star co-opting black culture like Bono. It's That's a legitimate song by a talented musician that somehow made it onto the charts and good for her. 
it had way more chords than that U2 song and way more chords than the camouflage song. Yeah, I don't think we need to argue that like a song is better because it has more chords, though. No, but the musicianship was equivalent to the U2 song, better okay. than the camouflage good, it was, song. It was good musicianship. The songwriting was better than the other two songs. The okay. other two were obviously just pop stars cashing in on a on a meme. Okay, I'll accept some of that. We're lucky that that ever got recorded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there weren't so many giant bloated bands making boring music like U2 out there, then there'd be more cool people like Edie Brickell that could put out albums well, out. What about this? Let's leave U2 alone and let's let's replace that with like Poison or something like sure, that. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Or Michael yeah. Jackson sure. or whatever. Well... Yeah, I don't know. This is a song that I always liked okay when I heard it on the radio, but it's never really spoken to me. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I love this song, um, but I like it fine, and I think it. You know, I think it holds up fine, and I think it's interesting. You know, it's original. Yeah, it is original. She's yeah. not copying somebody else, right? I mean, I can, yeah, I can't think of anything that it quite sounds like. Well, probably because we don't listen to enough music by women, but I could be wrong. I I feel like the band might have started as a uh, ska band. Stop that. Yeah, I think they might have. Can we just acapella do a ska version of that song right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you start. Okay, so so clearly you like that one. Um, you apparently know some other songs by her. I've never heard any other songs, but you know, you you're, you you're recommending it? I would I would very much recommend you listen to more songs by Edie Brickell and less songs by Camouflage. Okay, well, I mean, I have no plans to listen to any more songs by Camouflage. So, yeah, at least I can agree to half of that. Uh, okay, let's move on to our, our fourth and final song. Um, this is a song that is, is very special to me. It means a lot. Uh, you better Uh-oh. you better not okay, then say, I th- yeah, exactly. Is this the girl is mine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought the girl was mine. Paul and Michael said it was she was hers, theirs. I don't know. It just it really really spoke to me. No, this is a band that um I'll just say who it is. This band's called They Might Be Giants. Mm, and this enough. is a song from their second album, I can't Lincoln. Believe you you're telling me they made it onto the alternative charts. That's they, amazing. They did. Um this that is, is amazing. this one we had to reach a little bit lower. This How one did they do that. This one hit number eleven. Um <sighs> And you know, I'm just Anna Ng. It was Anna Ng. It is, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's a great song. It is a great song. That's phenomenal. I mean, honestly, um, I don't want to overstate this, but I think this is one of the best pop rock songs of all time. Terrible recording. Just terrible. I mean, this is two guys with a drum machine and some like credit keyboards. Like all of their songs should be redone. Um, but oh well. I mean, I think you know, I, I know what you mean. But boy, did this this song just moved me. I don't know if it would move me as much, honestly, if it was redone. I mean, I think there's something endearing about about the quality of it with the drum machine All right. and the two guys. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I had this this idea that they might be giants were were considerably more popular than they actually were. I was actually surprised they never ever had a song in the Hot 100. They only had something like three songs to ever chart on the alternative charts. They only had a single album that ever went gold. It's really just kind of dismal, and it's crazy that I have so many friends who are really into They Might Be Giants because I think we could take just so many other bands that performed significantly better on the charts and sold so many more albums um, and who people just don't care about them and don't love them and maybe haven't even heard of them. You know what I mean? I, I would say Camouflage might have sold more albums than They Might Be Giants, but most people... 
do not remember camouflage. Is that because They Might Be Giants is still putting out music? They might have something to do with it. I think that they've you know, managed to have a very long and successful career. They've written songs for television, like uh, the Malcolm in the Middle theme song. They did the Daily Show theme song. I think if King Missile had continued to put out music, I, I would still be a fan. Really? A big fan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet they'd have some more cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. But They Might Be Giants was really the perfect band for me because a lot of rock music was a little too edgy or scary for who I was at the time. And They Might Be Giants were just, they were just a perfect mix of non-threatening and kind of a DIY aesthetic, a little bit nerdy, but also very sweet and often kind of melancholy. I loved their Dadaism and their absurdism and the way, just the lyrics were just, they just cracked you up. They just cracked you up and you didn't know why or how, and that was the best part. And it was matched in the music. I mean, like you say, like even though these are terrible recordings, there is something essential that informs your musical appreciation by listening to a crappy drum machine and somebody saying nonsense over it. It, it has that like 80s performance aspect to it. Yeah, and I... There's always the silliness and the humor. Yeah, it's silly. But I think a lot of people who aren't super familiar with the band, maybe they've heard a couple songs. I think a lot of people dismiss the band as... Um, a joke band. A joke band, yeah. yeah. And they're they're really not a joke band. They have songs that are silly for sure. They have a lot of lyrics that, I mean, they're fairly meaningless or, you know, Dadaist or surreal as, as you've suggested. But they also have a lot of lyrics that are just really moving. They're brilliant guys. And they had really progressive lyrics too, like that... Um, uh, that racist friend song like what a great song to like put out in the 80s when racism was a big deal and like yeah that's cool like this song says don't say it's okay to have a racist friend sure (laughs) yeah like they 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 had political songs those that was a punk rock band to me and yeah and yeah i mean it was funny but it was funny on such a, a deep level that you laughed at the joke because it was so meaningful and later on you'd think about it and be like, oh yeah, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that is fascinating that I, I, I hate the world, but I do still want it to be here and I would fight for it. Sure. Or a song like They'll Need a Crane, which... My favorite um, song. That is my favorite song in the world. It's an amazing song. It's... Flansburg. Is that Flansburg? That's Flansburg, right? It's Linnell. It's Linnell, mm-hmm. right. What am I saying? Yeah, so They Might Be Giants are um, a two-man band. They've, they've since added other members, but um, primarily they're, they're two guys, both by the name of John, John Linnell and John Flansburg. Both of them amazing in their own way. But back to the song at hand, how would you pronounce the song? Anna, Anna Ang? Is that what you would say? Ing. Ing, uh, Anna Ing. We don't have that sound in our Yeah, in our it's, you know, I'm not sure that the singer's pronouncing it the actual way it would be pronounced in Vietnamese, but it's a, it's a great song, and why don't we just listen to it and talk about it a little more. Anna Ang and I are getting old and we still haven't walked in the glow of each other's majestic presence. Listen, Anna, hear my words to the ones you would think I would say if there was a me for you. All alone at the 64 World's Fair 80 dolls yelling small girl after all Who was at the DuPont Pavilion? Why was the bench still warm? Who had been there? I'm amazed that that song landed on the charts. It's just so bizarre that you 2 and They Might Be Giants were on there because that's like the Alpha and the Omega and like none of the stuff that should have been there except for Edie Brickell. That's weird. That's weird that we started with two like boring pop songs that had stupid lyrics and that were you know written to make money and then ended up with two songs that were written out of the love of music that yeah. had wonderful lyrics 
No, you you said you were surprised that this song made the charts at all. I'm yeah. surprised that it didn't climb higher on the charts. I mean, I think what? It's terrible production. But I don't think it matters. The song to me, the first time I heard this song, it was just I'm sold. I'm in. Yeah. I love this band, and I I understand that it's not going to appeal to everybody. But I just feel like it's such a good song that I don't know who could listen to this song and not want to hear more of it. That whole album is amazing, Lincoln. Lincoln's a good album. I I don't know why they don't just just throw out all of the music and just only let they might be giants play music for everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Just broadcast it over the. That's right. Uh, we should have a citywide speakers. All they yes. might be giants. All the time. Country. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. They've got enough songs now. You can they just have play a it all lot the time. of songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got to end the podcast on that note. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have one more Our thing. Our love I'm, of I'm, They Might Be Giants. One more thing I want to say about They Might Be Giants. When I was in college, I had They Might Be Giants t-shirt that I would wear. Yeah. Um, and people would come up to me like, oh, you're into They Might Be Giants. I say, yeah, yeah, I am. I say, oh, I'll bet you love Ween. Yeah, And this sure. was not this was not like a one-time thing. I've had many, many people come up to me and tell me that I either should like Ween or that I definitely do like Ween because I like They Might oh, Be yeah. Giants. I do not like Ween. I've had people come up and tell me that I am in the band Ween. You have, yeah. Yeah, that like my taste in music is that weenie that uh-huh. I need, I should, I'm already in the band. Yeah. Yeah, it's, been, it's yeah. gone that far. I don't get it. Are, are, these, are these people that are into They Might Be Giants strictly for like the unusualness and the eclecticism and not for the strong songwriting and the heartfelt lyrics? I, I, mean, I, I had a friend who said she didn't like They Might Be Giants because they enunciated their lyrics so clearly mm-hmm. that that was anti-rock and roll, that rock yeah. and roll should be like sloppy and slovenly, like I mean, butterfly kind of. I understand why people think They Might Be Giants are nerdy, but if you look at a band like XTC, I mean, those guys those guys seem nerdier to me than They Might Be Giants, but oh, yeah. if you like them, you can still be cooler somehow because, Oof, I don't know, they're, no. Brit- they're British. You can't? I don't know. I, I feel like if you walked up to a random person on the street and said, I'm into XTC, they'd be like, oh, you're kind of cool. That sounds like a cool band. Uh, <laughs> Who knows about XTC anymore? Well, exactly. That's why you're cool because nobody no, knows about XTC. They think you're talking about drugs. Yeah, oh, man, you're yeah, probably yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, can you give me some XTC? Yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no, really. Thank you. As usual, if you enjoyed some of these songs or if you want to hear more, please purchase a copy for yourself. And no, support do the... not. I disagree with that. Don't don't, <laughs> don't support the artist if you enjoyed the song. I think there's no reason to send any money to U2 or Warner Brothers. But if there's somehow that you can like slip, they might be giants some money or give some to their favorite charity, that's great. Edie Brickell doesn't need any money. She's married to Paul Simon. No. Um, you should... Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if the options for you are to download one of these songs for free or to purchase it, I'm encouraging you to purchase the song if it's something that you feel like you enjoyed and would like to hear more And of. here's what I'm saying. If you see someone being oppressed by a bully, do you give money to the bully or do nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no reason to give money to record companies. They're not good people. They're mm-hmm. not helping artists. They're helping destroy artists. And they're helping destroy music. Don't support that. Don't pay your taxes either. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we shall be free. All right. So if you have any uh, comments or suggestions or questions, please send us an email at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Um, Other than that, I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great day. This is Will Westerkow.
Thank you, Jesse. You're welcome. All right. Bye.